Good morning, and welcome to day eight of 100 Days of Black History. Today's opening quote, and I quote, I like ambiguity because you may be the villain in someone else's story and the hero in your own. And I think very often African-American characters are either one thing or the other. You shouldn't have to be perfectly good or perfectly bad. You don't even have to be magical. Chadwick Boseman, currently Black Panther. Early race films. One day prior to, and the last day for those of us who are considered black, our last day to celebrate black history. Let me digress. Allow me to cite a bit about race and how it related to early film. Ingmar Bergman's argument about the strength of traditional American values in Depression-era film is by and large true. It fails, however, to address the ever-present problem of race in film. The drama of classlessness and the equality of the American social ladder only works in the favor of the economically disadvantaged in the 1930s. Disadvantaged African-Americans are another story entirely. And some critics, such as Karen Ross, argue that blackness in film has been perhaps permanently damaged by stereotyping in the early 20th century. Even today, in, in entertainment ranging from inner city drama to sitcoms featuring a token black actor, Ross does not find African-American characters telling stories or exploring emotional states, but rather defining their servile place in American culture for the reassurance of white audiences. Such a claim, and in fact much of Ross's book, is very much a matter of opinion as well as fact. But the point that cannot be disputed is that the image of black Americans was done a grievous wrong in early film. Racist imagery that today shocks and appalls even the most insensitive viewers was the order of the day, from films beginning up through the, the Depression. Part of the problem lies in the image of the South in American film, for post-bellum America's hatred of the old rebel region had just begun to abate when the movie industry made its debut. Ironically, the corrupt debacle that was post-war reconstruction, in particular the in the Ulysses S. Grant administration, was instrumental in resurrecting and affirming, as never before, the dusty old myths, maybe not so dusty and maybe not so mythical, of the noble South, instead of humili humiliating the enemy, as was intended. Retro interest in what Americans of the day should have considered a region of traitors sounds bizarre, but William Faulkner got it exactly right when he wrote that the American people had an almost helpless capacity and eagerness to believe anything about the South, not even provided it to be derogatory, but merely bizarre enough and strange enough. At least in terms of cultural conceptions, the bloody shirt simply wasn't as interesting as the days when the last great American aristocracy behaved according to almost foreign codes of honor and etiquette. There was something mesmerizing about this supposed region of heat, history, and grace under pressure. D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation, based on the Klan, a novel telling titled The Klansman, is arguably the first great film ever made. Arguably is a strong word, I agree. It is also the starting point for any of the critique for any critique of cinema racism for all the popular ethnic stereotypes from the 19th century manifest themselves in a spectacular screen debut the storyline is not as important as are the film's implications and assumptions about southern society 
the Ku Klux Klan is portrayed in a sympathetic light. Really? As it depends, defends chaste Southern ladies from marauding and raping black freemen. Birth of a Nation seems exaggerated and impossible for modern audiences to believe, but Ross points out that this stretching of the truth was common in early film and that the practice had specific purposes, but not just by displaying black characters as violent. Birth is a rare film for black characters in cinema, tended to be buffoons, not realistic threats. The differentness of black people, she writes, was deliberately exaggerated to demonstrate their essential dissimilarity with white people. Their lack of sophistication is exemplified by their enjoyment of singing and dancing, which further reinforced assumptions about their primitive and uncivilized natures. Stay tuned for the conclusion of Early Race Films. Ebony Contrarian, out for now.